Do you want to do more to make impact? How we serve others and our world is how we pay our rent for being here. So get ready to learn how you can make a difference by simply choosing to live and lead with a socially conscious mindset. In this episode of Passion for Impact, I am interviewing one of the most innovative and charismatic humans I know. His name is Mike and he is my brother. So this should be interesting. He is co-founder and CEO of Riversong Guitars. And really, we both have been in the entrepreneur world since we were in diapers, with our parents owning a music store and an audiovisual company, and now the manufacturing company. We have learned some hard lessons over the years and have seen firsthand the power of community, courage, and commitment. If you have passion, if you want more passion, if you seek to be a conspirator of hope and a creator of collaborative success, if you want to have a few laughs, This episode is for you, so let's do it. This is the Passion for Impact podcast with speaker, trainer, and socially conscious advocate, Tricia Miltimore. Thank you for joining in. This is the Passion for Impact podcast, where we have one clear goal to educate, empower, and elevate social consciousness in people, business, and teams. Be sure to subscribe to receive links to featured companies, people, and offers. To subscribe, visit www.passionigniter.ca forward slash podcast. Okay, so this guy, Mike. Adoringly, he thinks he is the favorite, but really, I know that I am. Mom and dad say they love us both the same, but I can see it in their eyes, the truth. In all seriousness, I'm telling the truth. Mike brings the power of innovation and passion to his work as a luthier, community advocate, and professional speaker. He has a contagious energy that inspires personal and professional resiliency, and I have seen it in action again and again and again. He is the CEO of Riversong Guitars and an award-winning inventor. I remember being annoyed as a kid because I'd be working my butt off to get good grades, and while he just skated by academically, like, Barely, he did have this ability to learn skills at an alien like rate. For instance, in band class, he played every instrument. Well, I don't I don't think the clarinet. In high school, he told me he was going to be a drummer in a band, and I laughed. I mean, he dabbled, but there was no way he could be the rhythm foundation for a rock band. And then a few weeks later, I was at a concert with Bustin Boards where they were doing just that, rocking the dance floor with him on the drums. That was when I first understood that my brother missed a very common development milestone that most humans go through at the age of six or eight or 10. I'm not sure. I have to look that up. You see, two-year-olds never question if they can learn to walk. They just keep trying. Young children don't wonder if they can or should. They unbashingly just do. And that's my bro. He lacks the ability to talk himself out of learning random new skills or trades like welding, fabrication, video editing, digital design. Good God, it's gross. And he has no self-sabotaging filter that halts his potential and possibility. Frankly, it's annoying and exhausting to witness. Mike, welcome to the show. (laughs) Did you call me a (laughs) two-year-old? (laughs) <laughs> you are still a child in many ways, but you know, I well, say it with love. That was a really nice uh, intro. That was a little, slightly better than the one that you gave at uh, at our wedding. I, mm. I, did it start? My brother is a jerk. I think that's how it started, isn't it? Right. Well, you know, I really wanted to get the audience, you know, in the palm of my hands. And I thought at a wedding, 
when you're talking about your brother and you're supposed to share all the beautiful things about your relationship, I just thought I should start with you were kind of an ass to me when I was young. I, you know, it was actually a really nice speech. I, I don't think I ever told you that. <laughs> there, there you go. Really? It's on, it's on tape now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. That means a lot. I wonder if I have it written down somewhere. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show because, you know, this is passion for impact and, you know, truly you do embody so much of that. Like you have such passion for what you do. And also I have seen firsthand your passion for your community involvement. I mean, um, our family business and companies have won awards for community involvement, but it really comes down to your heart. I think about the, so our, our family listeners aren't, don't know, we uh, have music store, a music store and, um, manufacture guitars with river song guitars and an audiovisual company as well. And this is the world that Mike and I grew up in. And I often think about the parade that you would put on every year, the Santa Claus parade. Is that right? I love the Santa Claus parade. <laughs> I, I'm so glad you brought that up because the, the Santa Claus parade was one of those things that, uh, you know, you see all these great bands and, and floats and stuff. And I thought, Hey, I'd like to do that. But you know, I, we have a music store, but it doesn't necessarily mean I've got a gifted sense of uh, musical ability or uh, uh, that kind of a thing. But uh, what we did the the very first year, why we started it was um, me and a, and a friend that, that is now a friend that used to work for us. that was in Bustin' Boards, the band. Uh, we were in the garage. I was teaching him how to weld or the little knowledge I had about welding. And we decided that we would make a spinning guitar system that could bolt onto any Fender Stratocaster. So we took uh, pneumatic valves and uh, and just welded them onto a belt buckle plate, basically, and onto the back of the guitar plate. And uh, we made ZZ Top style spinning guitars. Then we realized if we made enough of these, we could have a spinning guitar marching band. So we took electric guitars and uh, hooked them up through wireless guitar packs and, and we dressed like evil elves and uh we marched with big smoke machines and lights and and it was right when iron man came out and we did things like uh, a christmas version of iron man uh i am santa claus dad. and it was just like awesome and the thing that i liked about it is um it was such a high energy event people were screaming and clapping i was like how could not everybody want to do this? And then we watched the video afterwards and we we're excited to see our, our group and everybody was really quiet and calm until they started seeing the smoke and hearing the, the distorted electric guitars. And then when they saw the evil marching elves, they all exploded. So we were in a bubble of fandom going the entire way. And that was my intro into the Santa Claus parade. And I love it still to this day. <laughs> I like that because what you're doing is you're bringing community together. And what I think you're really skilled at is getting people excited. You know, uh, I came up with the passion, uh, igniter moniker, uh, in a meeting with the uh, business development bank. Are we going into this already? No, nope, really, that no. we're only a couple minutes in. No, and... <laughs> but when I, when I came up with it, uh, it was because uh, I am passionate about what I do and I like to get other people excited. So, right. So you, okay, let's just put it out there right now. I, I appreciate your your holding back. Let's put it out there right now that you are the original passion igniter. Oh. I just want I want the world to know that my brother is the original passion igniter. Oh, so, wow. Is okay. that good? Uh yeah, I'll take that. I, I you know, we don't need to mention that you uh you did the website before chatting with me about it. 
Right. Well, you know, it's funny because I thought I was being funny <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I got the Twitter handle first. I got the Instagram handle. I got the URL first. I'm on fire. You know, that's the fascinating thing about life. You just never know the impact you're having on people until maybe it's a little bit too late and you spend thousands and thousands of dollars. But I'm happy to let the world know that you are the original. So you inspired it. And I think that means so much. Yeah, that's so much. fantastic. Actually, you know what? It's it's funny uh, because I spell it or and you spell it E-R. So we really are are, are the same, different. Different, for sure. For sure. <laughs> what is your passion? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I, I've been thinking about what my passion is um, because, you know, we, we build guitars and, and we've won huge awards for our guitar company and, and things have really taken me all over the world with that. And I love guitars. I love music. I love the innovation in the wild, wild west of uh, electric guitar design. Um, and uh, I, I used to think that my passion was guitars. And it's actually not guitars. I, I realize that my passion is uh, creating things. It's uh, developing things. And I think probably similar to you when somebody says, you can't do that. That really drives me even harder. I like to be the uh, underdog. And I think that's what my passion is. Being the underdog and creating something out of nothing. Um, and it doesn't matter if I'm, if I'm building speakers or I'm building guitars or I invented. Did I, I don't know if I ever told you this. I invented uh, the basketball net that goes on the receiver hitch on your trailer, on your car. So you can play basketball anywhere in a parking lot, anywhere. <laughs> Have you uh, patented that or trademarked it or I'm anything? I'm so excited. I was going to, I actually, I hadn't built it yet, but I was, I, I Googled this early days of Google. I Googled it and apparently I was right on the curve with about a thousand other people. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So in this show, we talk a lot about how passion and purpose are two different things. So passion is kind of that drive, that internal motivation, the the hotness, the excitement, and it can ebb and flow. Purpose is more deep. It's more connected to your soul and why you're here. If you had to, you know, articulate what your purpose is, what would you say that could be? Uh, well, that's a good question. My purpose, I like to do cool things that are fun that also help people. So my uh, mentality doesn't allow me to do things I'm not interested in. So they have to be fun and, and cool for me to be interested in it. But I also feel like I need to have a component of, of helping. So helping could be like um, there's a, a music in the park that we've done for over 20 years here in Kamloops. In fact, this COVID summer is the first summer that we haven't. But the whole idea when, when Henry Small started that was to have free music in the park for everybody, a little bit of something for everybody. And I really thought that was amazing. And although I didn't start music in the park, I certainly took it as um, something that was uh, a flag we wanted to wave for our music store and felt that uh, it was an important thing. So for the very first few years, we, I think we got paid $3,000 for the entire summer. And it was just one of those things that needed to be done. And we had, you know, 50, 60 people in the park. And uh, last year, I think we had the average attendance of a couple thousand people every night. It's 62 nights straight. And uh, it, 
that has done a lot to bring the community together. And I like doing that kind of a thing. I think that's my purpose is, is to help by doing cool things. Nice. So really using your passion as a conduit of your purpose yeah. in many ways. You know, I grew up with, um, in our audiovisual company, the power of community events and having people every Canada day, we do sound for that. And I just remember the feeling of the sound check and how people started arriving and community being brought together. And right now this podcast is being recorded in uh, May in the middle of the 2020 COVID situation. And I think now more than ever, it's apparent to so many of us how community local impact that is like the hyper local focus. We don't have to change the world. We can change our, our own communities. And mm. so I love that you're being able to use, even though it's transforming and changing and evolving because of the circumstances, really focusing and being able to use um, your passion and purpose for community impact. It's like it make it does make a difference. It really does. You know, it's interesting you you you're talking about the uh, the pandemic and and what it's done. I hope that one of the positive things that come out of the the pandemic is, and I'm already seeing this. For for one, music is is becoming really an important thing. I don't know about your Facebook feed, but mine's full of people playing acoustic guitars, singing, and uh, I, there's a ballad of Bonnie Henry I heard on CBC yesterday. I thought was was fantastic. Uh, and Bonnie Henry is our um, chief medical officer for British Columbia. Somebody wrote a song about her. Um, what what I hope that happens from this pandemic is that we get exactly what you said, a hyper-focused look at music. So instead of waiting for that big touring band to come through your town to go and, and watch it at a big concert, because big concerts aren't coming back for a while, they're talking a year, I think what's going to happen is we're going to get back to those days of the barn dance. We're going to get back to the days of the old block party. Um, you know, I love block parties. And this is what's segueing me into, uh, it's interesting the word segue, but anyways, this is what's segueing me into the next thought. And I think that when you were 16 years old, remember we used to do those uh, block party uh, cul-de-sac parties and we started with our own and it was just a way to get to know our neighbors. And we, I think back in those days, we were really into doing DJ things and, and mm -hmm. you and I were we we do DJ work all over the place for all sorts of different events. And we'd have a, a block party and, you know, there'd be 40 or 50 people come out. We'd set up in a cul-de-sac. But I think that now we're going to get back to those barn dance days, back mm -hmm. to what what we were doing in, in the uh, 90s, saying, hey, what's in our neighborhood? What's in our local? Maybe there's a local band. And you know, your favorite song that, that's on the radio, your local band's going to be covering. That's going to be like you're there because you're not going to see that big concert for a little bit. Yeah. Things are shifting that way. So I agree. Block parties. I think if anyone's listening to this podcast, maybe that could be your way of making impact is plan a block party because man, they're fun. They're a good time. They're fun. They bring the neighbors together. Mm -hmm. um, There's food. You, you remember when we did it, we met neighbors that we had never known and they lived just three doors down from us. Um, for for years, um, there's food. Yeah, I'm not sure. Got to check your local health guidelines to see if you're allowed to bring a potluck food. Oh, that's uh, true. <laughs> but right. but I I think that that's um that that's something that that I'm looking at doing again. Um, in here in Kamloops, is the old block party, and I might resurrect my band Spandex for it. <laughs> what instrument did you play in that band? I played drums in that band. Oh, I like, okay. you know what. 
I, I play guitar, but one thing I like about drums is you, you basically tap along to somebody else's talent. <laughs> and, uh, and it's, it's fun. And, and, and I've, I've got a collection of drums now, uh, big acoustic drums. My latest drum kit I got was made here in Kamloops and it really inspires me. It was made by uh, dad's good friend, uh, Bill Felix. And I don't know if you remember back in the early days of our music store in Kamloops, but I remember those drums. They looked like big, weird, flary pants called staccato drums were in the front window of the music store. And I remember walking by like, uh, like you see kids going past black and white televisions or, or candy stores and looking at that as, as a little kid. So, uh, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I like some, some people collect shoes, dresses. I collect drums. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> at least, at least you own it. You own it. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, how your impact has changed over the years. I mean, obviously, every decade we're different people. We evolve and grow. How has your impact changed since you know you were younger to now? Uh, you know, I think I used to try to be a bulldozer and and push and and really work hard, and, and it didn't matter. If, uh, if the people around me were with me or not, I was just going to go. And I think what's changed here, probably in the last three years, four years, I think the most dramatically, I realized that a bulldozer is good, but if you want to move a mountain, you need a team of bulldozers. You need not only bulldozers, but you need a support staff to, to help out with all that. And I still want to really do change and do good and lobby things. Uh, I've, I've done all sorts of different lobbying, which is weird because I'm not really that political, but when I see a wrong, I, I try to make it right. And I try to uh, empower other people to, to help with my, uh, with my plight. That's really inspiring. It does change over the decades. And I think that when we're open to that change, it just makes the experience so much more fulfilling for ourselves and those around us as well. What role, and I know it plays a big role in your life, what role does innovation, which you speak about a lot, play um, in your life experience overall? So innovation, I think, is just being observant of, oh. of things. And I'm not very observant, so it's it's funny how this, this comes from me, but I observe really weird things. If we walk through a door that automatically opens, I look at it not as, hey, well, that door automatically opened. I look at it like, how did that open? What was the designer thinking when he did that? Can I take that system that they used and use it for this? That's what I mean by being observant. I think that to answer your question about being innovative and what kind of role it plays, if you're not innovating or or trying to do things better or or different, you're not going to get ahead of the pack or, or do any real change. Uh, for example, if, if all you're ever concerned about is your sister and how you can one up her in grades in school, <laughs> you can only get up to a certain point. <laughs> that is true. And then you're both A students and what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> but but besides that, I, I think that um, you need to you need to be different. You need to innovate and you need to be innovative in business, in 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 life if if you want to uh, to do things different or succeed. You also fail pretty hard as well sometimes, but that I, I got books and books and books of ideas that uh, are almost all failures. And I like to review them 
because it's kind of funny. So one of the things I think um, is a ongoing kind of pattern in my life, and I don't know where we got it from because I don't, maybe we got it from our parents. I don't really see it. I don't know. But anyways, is a very strong sense of resilience. So failing is expected and then moving forward with momentum from that failure, which is a part of the process of innovation for people and companies. Can you help me articulate for me how you are resilient that way? Because for many people, failure is defining and it doesn't allow for that resiliency. So how do you tap into your failures and take out resilience from that experience? Uh, you know, I, I don't really think of it kind of like resilience uh, or, or I don't think of it in, in terms of failure or success. Um, I, I look at it like, let, let's try it. It's like, is that hot? Touch. Oh, yeah, that's hot. Okay, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> um, I, I think that if you're not, if you're not, to use the word failing, if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. Thomas Edison said uh, there's a, a, a thousand ways he failed at making a light bulb before he found one success, but you learn from each of those failures. For myself personally, uh, when I tried to make a better guitar, my whole goal was not to make a better guitar because that's too broad. My goal was to make a braceless guitar, and I was super focused on that, and it took six years of making guitars that sounded like banjos. Uh, it took six years of lots of people saying, why are you doing this? They've been building guitars for 170 years. Uh, the same way they've refined it over that period of time. What makes you think that you can do anything different? And I built hundreds of experiments trying to figure out how to make a braceless guitar that doesn't need bracing. And then that opened up the world for creating more innovations. Or really, those a lot of those innovations were fixing other problems that I encountered and realized, hey, this fixes these other things. So I think that um, resilience is just dogged uh, pursuit of one goal. So determination. Determination. Sure. Tenacity. Like a beagle dog looking for food. <laughs> <laughs> you are definitely very focused that way. And it's that also that inability for you to be, to sit back and be like, okay, this hasn't worked 5,000 times. So I think I'll quit. You definitely have more tenacity than that. Okay. So innovation plays a big role in your life, uh, in your business. For people that don't know, Riversong Guitars is the name of the company. It's riversongguitars.com. And just to give them an idea, what makes those guitars special? Why Why did you want to create them? And many people listening may not play guitar, but maybe you can kind of give an idea as, as to why there actually is innovation in that whole process. Sure. Well, originally when we started to build guitars, it was out of a need. And the need was we didn't have access to some of the brands because there was, there was always a, a, a bigger music store, it seemed, in the marketplace that, that held the brands um, back in, in those days. So we decided that we would just start building guitars. And this goes back um, even to the 80s and 70s with mom, mom and dad, with dad building his own custom guitars. Now, those custom guitars were parts from this guitar and parts from this guitar and, and wired up. And remember, he'd get uh, local artists to paint them. Yes. Um, yep. You know, so we had this whole idea going through and uh, with Riversong Guitars, from we actually I, I said 
uh, 24 reasons to love river song guitars in an ad once. And I came up with 32 and then I realized, you know, 26 is a nice number because it's actually the number of weeks in six months. And so I, I blocked it down to 26 reasons and, and I like that campaign. It, it fits with my, uh, my thoughts. <laughs> There you go. I'm glad you had reasons strategy behind it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure people can find those 26 reasons at riversongguitars.com if you want to check yeah. it out. But what I really think is so powerful behind the story of Riversong Guitars is that it is it's a, a lengthy process. It wasn't just I have an idea, how can we make this better? Here it is. Let's build it. Okay, people love it. They're buying it. Woo! It wasn't it's not like that. And I don't think any businesses. So when for those of you who are listening, who are entrepreneurs, or you want to be an entrepreneur, or maybe you've been in the game for five or seven years, who knows? Um, it, you can get to the point where you're, you feel like you're bashing your head against the wall. So what do you suggest to people who want to make impact, who want to have this business, who do think they have a way of doing it better to keep going, to maintain the momentum, maintain their passion for impact? Uh, you know what? I, um, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but December 20th, 2011, I was ready to give up on the river song thing. Um, it was right before Christmas. I was trying to build, uh, some guitars. I don't know if you remember this Christmas, but I brought a bunch of guitars. My Christmas gift to dad was to experiment together on different bracing technologies and we can put guitars together. Well, so your, your gift to our father was to spend time with you building a custom get like creating. Cause I had built a bunch of guitars with different bracing patterns. Even though we didn't need bracing, I was experimenting with tone bracing and what would sound the best because we had the structure down. And again, I couldn't make it sound better than a banjo. So I built these guitars and brought them to your, to your house on Christmas. And it went over like terribly, terrible. Nobody, nobody was that excited about it. I thought it was really cool. <laughs> um, oh, I'm sad for you. Yeah, but it was right before. For that, that I realized, you know what, maybe everybody's right. Maybe I can't build a good sounding guitar. Maybe this system isn't going to work. I, I had people that worked for me that said, hey, I don't believe in what you're doing. The only reason I'm doing this is because you uh, pay me. And uh, I said, that's okay. Let's move ahead. <laughs> but at that point, I was ready to give up. And, uh, you know, Monica, my wife, said, you know what? Uh, what is, what, what's holding you back? Do you think? And, and I said, well, my next experiment I want to do might destroy my best guitar I've ever built to this date. Now this is outside. This is my experiment guitars, not our traditional guitars. Cause we built a lot of traditional guitars, but I said, it's going to destroy it. And I, 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 I like to collect things. I'm, I'm a bit of a hoarder and I collect things that are special to me. And, and the best guitar I'd built with weird construction was, important to me. And, uh, I went in, she said, just go in and, and do it. Who cares if you break it? It doesn't really matter. So I, I went into the shop with the dog and I went to destroy the guitar in my mind. And it actually was my Forrest Gump moment when I unshackled the guitar and it really opened up and sounded amazing. <laughs> so you never know, uh, sometimes in your darkest hour, when you're about to give up, you never know when you're going to have that breakthrough. And, um, he, that was that year six. Right. And, uh, you, you just, you just gotta put your head down and, and if you really believe in what you're doing, um, you're going to have a lot of those kind of moments and you just got to push through them. Wow. I, you know, it's interesting. I've 
talked to a lot of entrepreneurs and worked with a lot of entrepreneurs in business development. And it seems to me that year five to seven is they're important years because it seems like you work your heart, you're trying, 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 you're building, building, building. And there's a moment of reflection or you're right, those kind of moments of wonderment, um, refocus or whatever, pivot. But yeah, years five to seven. So it's interesting that you use that number. Yeah, it was definitely year six. We started in 2006. That was 2000, beginning of 2012. But once my Forrest Gump moment happened, I'll tell you what what happened. We went for that Christmas where we were experimenting, which was a flop. But that's okay. uh, Because I knew I actually had something that was working. Um, And then I don't know if you remember, but Monica and I went to uh, Mexico in the the, uh, January of 2012. And while we were there sitting on the beach, I had bought a new notebook pad. Now, I don't know if you remember, but I write all my ideas down in graphing paper because I can draw a circle on graphing paper, but I can't. I do remember your graphing paper. Yeah. So so I still do that. I still have graphing paper in my notebooks and I have them from all those years ago. But what I did was I went to Mexico with the thought that I'm going to design our guitar line. I'm going to design our website and I, uh, my goal was to, um, design what I wanted, what I wanted my future guitar company to look like. So I did that. I made eight models with different wood combinations that I'd been researching and and trying to figure out. Cause one thing I wanted was I wanted to have a sustainability aspect to our guitar company. Um, and I thought, if you're going to build something or create something, and I had, I remember having this conversation with dad, uh, if you're going to build something or create something, uh, it should be representative of your area. It should be from your backyard. Um, cause anybody can make a Martin D 28 clone by buying, um, Indian Rosewood by buying Ebony, by buying uh, Western Canadian spruce, by buying plastic binding and making, a clone guitar, but you're only ever going to be a clone and you're, you might get better, but you're always against that trying to build a better Martin trap. So I wanted to make it so that it looked like it came from Kamloops, that it looked like it had uh, domestic sustainable woods, which are plentiful around here. Um, so I designed these eight models um, with that and uh, drew out all the web pages and everything like that. And then the lead sp- uh, singer of Spandex, who's a web designer, Derek Learmont, shout out. Um, he built the uh, first River Song website. Wow. All from the beach in Mexico. Yeah. Which was great because Monica wanted to relax on the beach. And I was quite happy quietly scribbling on the chair beside her. <laughs> Doing your business strategy. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really cool point. I love that because how inspiring is it to look to your backyard for resources? So from anyone listening, and by the way, uh, Kamloops is located in British Columbia, Canada. I know people are listening from all over the world. So that's Western Canada. And there is certainly so many beautiful resources in our backyard. So it's very cool that you incorporate that into the the company and your philosophy. You know, it's funny when I realized, uh, I looked at Kamloops and started thinking about it. Of course we were born here, but I started thinking about Kamloops. We're an inland desert that comes up all the way from Nevada. So the trees, uh, I had a, a film company wanting to come and do a story on us and they wanted to see the forest in Kamloops. And I said, there is no forest. <laughs> <laughs> we're a desert. You know, I can take and show you some cactus, but around us, 
are some of the most fantastic force. You know, film companies that do movies come here all the time to get things that look like desert in, in Iraq or, or Rambo was filmed a couple hours outside of Kamloops, which was like a rainforest. So you go any direction from Kamloops except south, you just get more desert. Any direction, what you see is different lush forests, whether it's a large old growth cedars uh, to the northeast of us, to the eastern area by the Rockies, the Engelmann spruce trees that grow high up in the mountains slowly and make some of the best tonewoods for guitars ever, to the coastal area, which has the best maple that every guitar manufacturer buys um, for their, their, its look and its natural beauty uh, to Vancouver Island, where their ancient old growth forest has just magical properties to it. Uh, not only in the look and the sound of the wood, but just sitting in the forest being quiet. Uh, so Kamloops is really, and North of Kamloops, those forest ranges combine and create hybrids. So we come from a place which is plentiful with, with woods that's being regarded throughout the world as the best tone woods. And um, I just look and, and try to find ways of, of using those tone woods. And, and I have a resaw mill that I love working with that uh, they'll cut down a tree that's uh, um, in a boulevard because they're doing city changes or something. And it'll be like a walnut tree, English walnut tree from 150 years ago that it was planted as a beautification tree in a downtown or something like that. And uh, we'll make guitars out of that or out of an old fir barn with with fir beams, you know, and that's that to me is is, is really cool. Yeah, that's very cool. It is the socially conscious mindset of reusing. And um, I, I love also that you make wooden picks of your pieces that are left over. Isn't that right? Yeah, so that started with uh, with Margo in the office. Um, I've only ever had a small garbage can um, at the guitar factory, and I hoard and keep all sorts of pieces of wood. Um, but Margo was looking at the offcuts from our guitar sides, and we use uh, a maple called Chilaquian maple. Uh, it comes from a little town called Chilliwack in British Columbia, and I made up that word. Not Chilliwack, <laughs> but Chilaquian. Um but it's it's a it's a it is a, a hybrid between a flame piece of wood and a quilted piece of wood, uh, and so the guitar industry is either all flame or all quilt, uh, and the hybrids between were considered uh, not really great looking pieces of wood because they weren't um, all the same. So like uh, if if you're a big guitar company and you have a catalog and your guitar top looks like a flame maple top. They want all the flame maple tops to look the same. They call it poster grade, but Chilaquian maple is in between and it's mother nature's art. And you will not find two pieces that are exactly the same. So I really like that. And, and the resaw mill really likes that. Um, and my mind went off on a long track somewhere and my train derailed i don't know where i was going but that's so adorable you got just so excited about chillacian maple (laughs) that here you are no idea where you are in the conversation i I just realized i'm sitting around like a two-year-old and i have no idea where (laughs) i am (laughs) 
You because I just want people to know that you use uh, some of the off pieces for making really oh, yeah. innovative picks. It was that's my main point. point. Holy yeah. man, that's pretty good. Yeah. Coming back, so Chilakwe and Maple. Uh, that's <laughs> squirrel. I got the greatest squirrel story, by the way. But besides all that, uh, Chilakwe and Maple. So when we make the sides out of the sides, the out of the piece long pieces of, of maple, there were some offcuts that weren't really big enough for anything. But a guitar pick is a one inch by one inch piece of wood. So Margo wanted us to make in the office, make bracelets and necklaces. Um, so I started cutting her out pieces and, and doing this. And, and then I realized when I make them into the shape of a guitar pick and I used them one day, wood actually sounds really good. As soon as I say it sounds better than plastic, I get into a fight. But when I say it sounds different, guitar players are like, oh, that's cool. Because everybody's <laughs> looking for something that's different, right? Right. So I realized that the um, the fibers in the wood grab the strings differently. Uh, like a violin bow with rosin grabs a string and, and drags across it and creates a sound. With no rosin or no no grip, it doesn't make any sound. Wood sounds different. And depending on how we build it with the grain going against the, uh, the strum of the, the pick or with it, it sounds different again. Um, and then we developed this innovation where it had this little maple leaf in it, which I liked because it was a uh, homage to, to Canada, but it also um, gave you great grip and added flexibility to a stiff pick because it had to be fairly thick to uh, not break, um, but it still needed to have some, some level of flexibility. So we put this maple leaf in the center hole and that was great. And then um, we still make the solid wood picks. But we kept innovating because in Europe, they wouldn't buy the solid wood picks because they break. So what I did was um, I said, don't flex them that way. Because if you want to make them break, you flex them how you wouldn't flex them as a guitar player. Um, but I ended up making a five-layer pick that involves recycled water bottle in the center, maple on either side, and mylar on either side of that. Uh, and that was a lengthy process of experiments, but we ended up making a, a pick that go all the way from a 0.46 flex, like a very thin pick, to very thick, stiff pick. Um, and we have uh, about 13, 14 different models now. In fact, I just developed one for uh, uh, during the COVID develop, um, pandemic, uh, which has little bumps on the edge, so it grabs the string differently. It's really cool. Anyways. That was the initial idea was using waste wood and um and now we've got picks that we sell literally all over the world. And they're also using recycled water bottles. Yeah. Material. That's very cool. I, I love the picks. I'm really passionate about the picks because I just think they represent what having for passion for impact is all about. And they're on the website as well. They're a good little gift. Okay, you had mentioned that you had said that um you like to hoard things that are special to you. So I'm, I'm totally curious. What I've given you over the years that you have in a special spot, you know, amongst all the special things you've collected over the years. You know, one of my favorite things that we do uh, <laughs> is we started to give each other uh, ugly Christmas presents. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. We should, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know we've kind of gone away from that a little bit lately, uh, but I have to tell you that I really liked it because it's a constant reminder of each other and so the deal is ugly christmas presents 
we have to give it to him. You have to keep it in your house for a year yeah. and then we gift it. It's genius. It was so bad. The ugly rooster door stop. Yeah. That yeah. was probably the worst one. But, but, but uh, you re-gifted them all to mom. <laughs> yeah, I sure did. And she still uses it. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Oh my so, God. That was good. So anyone listening, revi- we should revive that. Ugly Christmas gift. Find it at the thrift store. You don't have to buy new and you have to have it in your house for a year. It's, it's a wonderful reminder of the humor behind uh, relationships. <laughs> I, I like it. I really liked it. You know, there's a lot of pressure to to buy something really amazing and and, and the whole um, uh, e- economy of Christmas, uh, I feel sometimes misses its point. But what I really liked about that was it was a, a thoughtful gift. It didn't really cost a whole lot. although. I think last year's gift that you were trying to get for me cost a lot. Um, and I appreciate the thought of it and, and the, uh, the whole, do you remember, do you know what, what I'm talking about? I have no idea what so I was great. trying to, is it cause I didn't get you anything? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I don't know about that, but no, you got me a, a gift last year. It came in the mail and you realized it wasn't what you thought you were getting. And it cost a whole lot. What was it? Uh, you'll shoot your eye out. Right. Oh, from the Christmas story, the leg lamp, the The leg leg lamp lamp that I saw on Wayfair for, for, I think it was a hundred something dollars. I don't even remember. And I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it for my brother because he let, we love that show as as kids. And I'm going to buy a container. I'm going to fill it with straw and he's going to open it on Christmas morning. (laughs) (laughs) And when I got it, it actually was just a cardboard cutout. I literally paid all that money for cardboard. That was, that was wah wah. That was the biggest wah wah for sure. (laughs) Thanks for reminding me about that. I'm mad all over again. Um, Okay. Last question. I mean, we feel like we could chat forever and there's so many so many nuggets of wisdom you have to share about impact and innovation. Um, but I'm curious as we kind of wrap this up, what is the best wisdom that you have ever received? Uh, that I have ever received, you know, um, we've had a lot of, um, mentors in our lives. Uh, I think, uh, mom and dad did a really amazing job at making sure that, uh, we had, positive influences, uh, around all the time. Uh, one of the guys that I look to as being a, uh, an influencer in my life was, uh, Hartley PV with PV electronics. Um, I don't know. There's so many different things that people have, have said to us, to me that have inspired me, you know, to put one in, I, I don't know if I can, but I think it's just really, at the end of the day, it's important to uh, stick to to your guns and do what you think is right. And, you know, don't be afraid to, um, to screw up. I, I, I think about my mom when she said that uh, you and your sister have to tone it down a bit, you, you know, lower your standards a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it, that made me, made me laugh. Cause I think we were on a, uh, you had won the Paul Harris Fellowship Award, and I think I got first loser from the Business Development Bank of Canada for Young Entrepreneur of the Year for Canada. And uh, mom was just having a hard time keeping up with us. <laughs> um, <laughs> put her through a little bit, right? Yeah, but you know what? Uh, just just be shameless. 
I, th- I think is probably the uh, the one the thing that you have to do. Don't don't care about what other people think. Be shameless and and do your your best at, at what you want to do. Do what you do. Mm-hmm. And I think on the other side of that, which you probably don't see because you're you're the person doing it, but what I I know a lot of people appreciate about your energy is that you just show up. You show up with your energy. You get on the videos on Facebook and YouTube and you just like you share your spirit and your passion and your purpose. And not everyone loves it when people do that and you don't care. You just keep forward. So um, kudos to you for doing that. It does inspire me. I want to say thank you for sharing the mic with me. Um, I think we did a really good job of, of, you know, not getting in a fight. So that's pretty cool. Well, actually, it started off in a fight, didn't it? <laughs> I, I just, you're so much more mature than you used to be. I was trying. <laughs> what happened to you? <laughs> what, what, I, what, I, uh, what your listeners don't know is she started to record and like a big brother, I couldn't help myself. I started making farting sounds in the background. Right. <laughs> and I was like, come on, I have to pay for editing time. So stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But no, thank you for, I know I had to get up early, spending time with me, your little sister, we don't hang out a lot. We both are busy lives. I got the kids and you got the businesses and we're, we both, we, I think we do a really great job of supporting each other. But mm-hmm. when we do get a chance to hang out, there's always some good laughs. I am inspired by your tenacity, your resilience, your innovation and your spirit. So thanks for being on the show. And I, I know you have an offer for everyone. Um, if anyone's interested, if you want to share that, the River Song Guitars offer. Yeah. So here's the deal. I think, especially now in today's day, uh, you know, we're in a pandemic and, and history is proven in times of downtime and, and uh, re- recessions and hardships. People turn to music. And I love all the music that's being recorded because it's straight from the heart. It's not about a record deal. It's about people sharing their their passion. And I believe that people should should play music, have music in their lives. So with Riversong, um, we've got, if you go to our family music store's website, leesmusic.net, um, go into the shopping area of it. You can find Riversong guitars. We have an offer. All you have to do is type in passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, as the coupon, and you'll get $200 off any Riversong guitar. So that means our... Even our Pacific series, which is an affordable range of guitars, you can get those guitars now at such a price that it really, um, there's no excuse not to become a rock star, grow your hair out long, and travel. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What everyone wants to do. (laughs) Yeah. And also with that offer, if you buy a Pacific series Riversong guitar, which is our um, entry to the market, although they're really great guitars, um, you will get in exactly what you paid for those guitars in a trade towards one of our handmade G2 series or custom shop guitars as you progress, like you undoubtedly will. Um, and that's our offer. Uh, nearly half off our least expensive guitar. Wow. So leesmusic.net, uh, go to the shopping, any river song guitar, you can receive $200 off with the code passion, right? That's it. This is awesome. Okay. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate you being here and uh, I'll see you on the weekend. All right, Trish. Sounds great. I look forward to it and I look forward to seeing the girls and Vinley. If you love learning how to live and lead in a conscious and fulfilling way and find this show rewarding, please share with your friends. Please rate and review this podcast. Your reviews are so important to all of us. Thank you for listening. 
Remember, cast your vote, make your impact, one socially conscious choice at a time. Thank you for listening to the Passion for Impact podcast. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash podcast to subscribe for episode notes, links and special offers from show guests. Cast your vote. Make your impact. One socially conscious choice at a time.